The prophet Ezekiel speaks hope to people in exile. They are lost and forlorn and believe themselves forgotten. And God says through the prophet, you will be remembered. You will be put back together. In every conceivable sense, you will be remembered. These dry bones will live. They will be given life by the one who gave life in the first place. You are not forgotten, however deep your despair. You are to be brought up out of death, and the Spirit will be breathed into you on the four winds, because I, Yahweh, remember you, you have life, and will yet have life even out of death as a remembered people. In grace, you will become who I have created you to be. This business of salvation being bound up with the fulfillment or completion of creation as we become the people we were created to be, the people freed from the distortions of sin, freed from all that makes for dry bones and death in our valleys. This business of becoming who we are is complicated and has to do with our identity. How do we know what it means to become the people we were created to be? We ask each other questions. Who are you? Who are your people? What what do you do? Who are you really? What is your story? And we set about trying to explain ourselves in terms of what the the academy calls personal narrative. They say our identity, who we are really, is defined by our personal narrative, the story we tell about ourselves, what we remember. That's the academics mean when they talk about identity, who we are. I've been reading a fascinating novel called The Finkler Question. It's really a sort of heartbreaking, dark comedy about anti-Semitism as the main character, the title character, Finkler, believes that Israel should be criticized for some of its actions with regard to Palestinians and so on. But what happens is over and over, it's about Jewish identity, What does it mean to be Jewish? And then people keep slipping away from the stereotypes and then confirming the stereotypes and coming back and forth and lots and lots of almost envy of people who have this this identity on the part of others. Uh, Howard Jacobson won the Man Booker Prize for this novel last year and at various times in various ways he looks at the things that make up a sort of cultural identity. The stories we tell, of course, but clothing and and, and, and sex, and idiom, and language, and Zionism, and philosophy. Uh, but above all, Jewish identity is found where all identity is found, in memory, in the stories we tell. So in a sense, the book is not just about Jewish identity, it's about any identity, any human identity. What does it mean to have some kind of continuity in time, to be distinctive, and yet also to be affiliated with others as a human being? The answer has something to do with memory, of course. I know how important it is for many of you uh, that you are a southerner. But that's part of core identity of who you are. In the same way, perhaps it's important to me that I grew up in England. But in a way, these are tribal identities. And tribal identities often lead to power struggles and to warfare. And tribes will find themselves at enmity with each other. Tribal violence or sectarian violence is generally avoidable when the particular tribal identity is not the predominant 
or primary thing about us. So as we think about identity, there's a first problem with this kind of tribalism and how does that get transcended? How do we get beyond that? And then there's another problem with the notion that our identity is bound up with what we remember because memory is a somewhat fungible thing. Some of you will know about the controversy that has gone on for a number of years around this whole movement of recovered memory, particularly recovered memory with regard to uh, sexual abuse. Some things we remember with every fiber of our being turn out to be false or misremembered in some way. And in the end, there has to be some degree of corroboration or communal story if we're going to really become the people we were created to be. I remember a Dutch theologian whose name I couldn't find or, or recall uh, pondering these issues about what, cons what it constitutes uh, being human. Uh, he, has a very, he had a very uh, severely handicapped, mentally handicapped daughter, which led him into the exploration of these issues. And he, he met a woman uh, in, a, in a home who had no capacity for memory at all. It was like there was no one home. She didn't remember, had to be taught everything every day. She could do autonomic responses like swallow. Uh, and I don't remember her name either, but I remember the story very well, so I call her Nancy. And what he noticed over time was that Nancy would be awoken by the staff and washed and bathed and dressed and her teeth would be brushed and they'd brush her hair and they'd put her in a, a chair in a very high traffic area hoping that she would be stimulated in some way. Uh, and what happened, he noticed people would come by and they'd recognize us. Hello, Nancy. How are you today, Nancy? It's a lovely day, isn't it, Nancy? Gosh, the sun is shining. You look pretty today, Nancy, and so on. If Nancy wasn't there, they'd say, where's Nancy? Is she all right? What's happened to Nancy? And he began to develop the notion and the idea that what makes us human is not so much our capacity for memory or our individual narrative, but some sense of communal narrative, communal story that gets told. And that's a great comfort, perhaps, to people who are dealing with dementia. It's, it's not uh, the person is still the person because we are, in a sense, made human by those around us, those who remember, those who tell the story for us when we cannot tell it ourselves. Uh, for truth, we need a wider community to have a sense of who we are. And so we're back to this communal notion of remembrance or being remembered. If we want to live into the people we created to be, then we need a common story. A common story that does not lead to tribalism and which does corroborate memory in some way, shape, or form. And that story is what we tell here every week. The story of what really matters. The story of people striving to be more free, more generous, more courageous, more uh, integrated, more connected while being uh, clear about our own sense of self, um, more, even more fully the identities that are so important to us, but in relation to others while avoiding tribalism. Now, there are some who want to try and turn Christianity into a tribe and make it better than the other tribes that we don't like or we hate at the moment, like the Jews or the Muslims. You know. um, and, but, but in fact, our story undermines that very possibility. Uh, our story is about overcoming those kind of barriers to a place of recognition and appreciation and understanding, perhaps, of difference in uh, the thing in a way that distinguishes our story from other 
stories is that it's not dependent on a particular place or a particular language. Uh, it's not about, it not, does not require we center on Medina and Arabic or on Jerusalem and Hebrew. There were those for a long time who thought we should center on Rome and Latin, but that didn't work. And what's happened instead is, is we are enculturated in all kinds of different ways in different places. This story transcends the tribalism and begins to tell us what it means to be who we are and so here and become who we are. So here and around this table, we both remember and are remembered, put back together uh, in the broken places in our lives by God. Jesus said, do this for the remembrance of me or do this that I might be present among you in some way. He invited us to participate in the life of God that makes us, by grace, able to be more fully who we were created to be, able to be more trusting and more loving and braver and, and more generous and all those things by which we know we are free. Remember the life-giving nature of our communion, shaped by a common story uh, and a willingness to be differentiated, knowing that in the end, who we really are is given us by God and by God alone. In the most traditional funeral liturgies of the Episcopal Church, which wouldn't work today for a lot of reasons, there was no preaching, there was no eulogy, no homily. It, what was remembered about the person was remembered in a community that was assumed to be pretty tight. And the liturgy was all about a reasonable and holy hope that the one who gives life for the first in the first place will remember us even in death uh, and bring new life out of death. And so as we remember the story of what really matters, so we begin sometimes to see ourselves more clearly through all the distortions and all the brokenness and all the dry bones of our life. And we start finding, as we come around this table week after week after week, that we are remembered. And like Lazarus, we know that death does not have the victory. This new life, this life given back to us might come as conviction, or it might come as forgiveness, or it might come as forgiveness for the pain we have caused others. New life in this way can take the form of suddenly finding ourselves with a capacity for compassion that we didn't know we had, where we thought our hearts were stony, or it might come in our being able to forgive others who have caused us pain. In God's time, as we remember God's fidelity to us, the seemingly impossible can happen. It does happen. And these dry bones can and do live. That reasonable and holy hope keeps us on the path to becoming the people we were created to be. These dry bones can live. It's not a natural process. Not natural in the story we tell. Our life is always a gift. Always brought out of the deathliness that afflicts us. It's an offering of our lives that we make here and it's a gift that we receive as we become more fully the people we were created to be. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. If we listen, we can hear, we can claim, and we can receive that promised gift of remembered life. What is the gift today for you? In silence and in response to the gospel, let us pray, becoming 
who we were created to be.